somebody wants Told me the world is gonna roll me I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed She was looking kind of dumb With her finger and her thumb In the shape of an L on her forehead Welcome to the Commission Wrap-Up Show. Week 14 was a doozy, and despite the confusion about when the week would end, it does indeed end on this beautiful summer Sunday in July. Chock full of exciting finishes and hold-your-breath moments, Week 14 did not disappoint as For the Fame screeched into the All-Star break with full speed ahead. Most notably, Alicia got to watch her team walk off on the back of a Max Muncy three-run walk-off home run in Los Angeles to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. While heartbreaking a loss as it might be for me, that's what makes this league in the head-to-head points fantasy baseball ma- uh, matchup and format the best format imaginable. It set the stage so beautifully and made tangible nervousness hop into the live action. Our matchup could be reversed with a stack correction, but as of record time, Alicia stands victorious at 7-7, and I fell back to 7-7 when I thought I had the win in hand with the Altuve three-run walk-off home run. Wow, just wow. I will cover that matchup and all the great ones that happen coming up here on the Commission Wrap-Up Show, which starts now. Thanks for joining me here on the Commission Wrap-Up Show. As promised, I'll get to all the matchups and the breakdowns of what happened here in Week 14. I believe Nick will be joining me shortly when I send the Zoom link, so he'll discuss his loss this week to Bazada after his winning streak, and we'll see how he feels. Maybe he will move into seller's mode at the All-Star break. Um, and I'm going to be doing a couple new things during this podcast because the segments have to change. I can't do the two-star pitcher segment as usual because it's hard to line them up with Obviously, baseball being off for a few days, it just wouldn't be accurate. I could try to do it, but it just wouldn't be useful. So I'm moving away from that. I'm going to be talking um, about a new segment, which is Today in Baseball History, which we'll talk about two great events that have happened here on July 11th throughout the years. So I'm going to be doing that going forward. So I'm going to try that out this week. And right now, as I'm recording, it is 9.15 p.m., Um, and the MLB draft is happening as we speak. So the first round is well underway. So if anyone's been watching, they've seen the things that have happened and the ebbs and flows. But I wanted to give you my feedback and give you a little bit um, of what has happened so far in the draft. Um, I think the MLB draft should be covered like it is. I think they're doing a really good job this year. It's really, it has a big feel. Um, It's just a little bit weird that they do it on a day that there's actual baseball. But it's usually in June this year. It's in July. It feels like the NFL draft, really. It has a big-time feel. And I'm hoping as we move forward, maybe the MLB draft will get some publicity and actually have some legs to get um, be, make it more of an event. It really feels like that this year, and they're doing a great job covering it. Uh, but what has happened so far? So the Pittsburgh Pirates had the number one overall pick. Uh, people were unsure who they were going to take. The Pirates obviously need everything. So I think they wanted to take best available player. Um, And they took Henry Davis out of Louisville, the hot-hidden catcher. Um, So he's coming out of high school. Um, Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. He's a freshman in Louisville, but coming out of high school, he was highly touted and well-scouted by MLB teams going even into Louisville. Um, He was hitting well before COVID. 
in 2020 and then exploded offensively this year. So he's hitting 370 with 15 home runs and more walks and strikeouts in 50 games. So he will give the Pirates a must-needed boost when he gets into the lineup. And catching, obviously, is very thin, so he could jump right into being the top of the position, maybe with Adley Rushman for years to come. So there wasn't a clear number one overall prospect, and the Pirates surprised, I guess, everybody by not taking one of the four uh, established shortstops. But the numbers are there for Henry Davis, and I think he'll be a stud player for the Pirates going forward. Uh, Number two overall, Jack Leiter was taken from Vanderbilt. He might have been number one. He is probably one of the best arms in the draft, and the Rangers will try to add him to the rotation as soon as possible. So we know that he's the son of Al Leiter, so the pedigree's there. Um, what, what else can you say about the guy? He has he, He's following the model of being the son of a major league player, so we've seen that kind of been a theme going forward with Fernando Tatis and Bo Bichette and Vlad Guerrero Jr., and this time it's a pitcher in Jack Leiter. So... You know, the Rangers need a true ace, and I think he's the guy that scouts believe can be the true ace coming out of out of college. Um, Vanderbilt seems like a pitching factory, and his teammate Kumar Rocker, who I'll talk to talk about in a second, uh, were the talk of college baseball all year, and I think they have the stuff to match the hype. And I think the Rangers as a franchise need a high-end pitcher in their minor league system, and I think they got it with Jack Leiter. So I'm really curious to see where his career goes and if he can live up to the billing because there's a lot to be said. I mean, Al Leiter won 162 games in the majors. He's a solid major leaguer and he has to live up to that. And I think all the scouts believe he can be better than his dad, believe it or not. So the third overall pick, the Detroit Tigers, took Jackson Job um, out of high school. So he's a right-handed pitcher. You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure he was he is the son of a pro golfer. Um, in the past, no high school pitcher had gone higher than 15th in the past two drafts, uh, but teams fell in love with Job's fastball and his slider, his versatility as well, because he was playing shortstop when he wasn't pitching. So maybe we have a little bit of an Otani situation, but I think they're more in love with his arm than his, his, uh, positional play at shortstop. Um, for all the, the buzz that Jack Leiter had, Jackson Job's upside might be greater according to scouts. Um, but there's a lot of risk. So he's out of high school, obviously didn't have the college seasoning, if you could say. So I think the project will be a little bit longer. But he joins a pretty good, sizable minor league staff of promising young arms between Casey Mize and obviously you have Matt Manning. And I think they could be a very good rotation down the road. I think Jackson Job was more of a project. But if the Tigers had a choice between the two, I think they probably would have took lighter. But Job is someone who throws hard. Um, and we're going to be, I guess, seeing his name coming up as one of those guys that Detroit is building around. The Red Sox took Marcelo Mayer. I mentioned that, you know, instead, you know, for the Pirates taking the catcher, Marcelo Mayer was the high schooler that maybe he w- could have gone overall, one overall. Um, people were talking about Jack Leiter and Henry Davis possibly falling to Boston. And they've been saying that possibly they would be the guy – in the players that they took, but obviously with Leiter and Henry Davis taken, um, they went with Marcelo Mayer, and I, I think they believe that he could be a Corey Seager-esque performer um, who has a great glove. But again, coming out of high school without the college seasoning, it's hard to really imagine what he's going to be. I mean, the raw skills seem to be there, but if they don't have 
uh, playing in big games in high school is much different than playing in college and playing in college is much different than playing in the major leagues. So I think that's a big thing for baseball in general. It's hard to replicate what it's like in the majors just because of the nature of how the game is played. I mean, you could start with the, the equipment being used, the, being able to use aluminum bats in college. It's a completely different game and offensive stats are a little bit inflated in college. I mean, you can recognize the swing and the raw talent, but I think if they want the draft to be meaningful, there has to be a quicker path from the minor, uh, from college or high school straight to the major leagues because it's hard to get excited about players that have become a eight to nine year project. I mean, think about Spencer Torkelson. He's still not up there. Casey Mize is struggling in the majors for the most part, and he's just starting to get his feet under him. So it's hard for fans to get excited about the draft because think about the NFL draft. The NFL draft has the ability to you literally see these players the next year because they're playing meaningful football in college. These these programs like Clemson, Alabama, LSU, they're churning out NFL-ready players that are ready to hop on the field the next year. I mean, think about Trevor Lawrence. He's hopping into a, a situation where he's guaranteed a starting job. You could never say that about a baseball player, ever, even the best one ever. And think about Mike Trout. He had to do his time in the minor leagues. And I'm not sure if it's the sport or if it's just the way things are. Maybe things will change over time. But that's why the draft doesn't sort of have the same buzz that the other drafts may hold, even, even uh, the basketball draft as well. Fifth overall was the Baltimore Orioles. They took Colton Kowser. Um, out of Sam Houston State, and he's one of the top bats available, and the Orioles obviously need a lot as well, similar to the Pirates, which is why they're high up on the draft uh, order. Um, so, you know, what about him? I think he's someone that they could build around. They need an outfielder to go with really the only guy out there. They have Mountcastle and Cedric Mullins, maybe the two guys they can build around. Um and let's see what else they say about him. Um, he's number 12 on Kylie's draft board and could be a, a, a bit of an underslot selection, something Orioles GM Mike Elias did back when he was running the Astros and selected Carlos Correa first overall, leaving them more money to sign Lance McCullough Jr. with a later first-round pick. Steel Kowser's tools all ticked up this year. It's also the third straight year the Orioles have taken a college hitter with a top-five pick, following Rutschman and Heston Kerstad. So we'll see what the Orioles continue to do i mean with the, the other picks but they need a lot more pieces and i think obviously colton Kowser is a couple of years away from being up in the major leagues to, to contribute the arizona diamondbacks took jordan lawler um the high, the other high school shortstop the kansas city royals took frank masicato the left-handed pitcher out of east catholic high school um i think people were surprised at the pick that the royals the royals passed on kumar rocker so if you're going to take a picture, I think Kumar, the Kumar Rocker, the other guy from Vanderbilt, was someone that they were everyone was high on. But maybe the Royals GM and the the Royal scouting system see something in in Mazicato that other people don't see. A few pitchers have seen their stock rise more than this guy. But Jeff Passan did report that the Royals will sign Mazicato to an underslot bonus to free up more cash later on. The seven picked hold the slot value of five point four three. Uh, $5.43 million, so look for Mazzicato to come in below that. Uh, the Rockies took Benny Montgomery, a center fielder. They need a lot as well. The Angels took Sam Bachman, right-handed pitcher out of Miami, Ohio. They need a pitcher as well. And this is awesome right here. I saw Devin was excited in the chat. Kumar Rocker fell to the Mets, and I think he has the potential to be a star. 
So we know everything about Kumar Rocker. He led Vanderbilt to the College World Series title as a freshman in 2019. Him and Leiter were a dominant one-two punch in 2021. We obviously didn't get to see them in 2020 because of the fact that uh, COVID hit. Um, and although Rocker had a poor outing in the decisive Game 3 loss this year to Mississippi, Mississippi State, I think his year spoke for itself. Um, you know, the, the Mets need another pitcher. I mean, we need we need guys that can stay healthy from their pitching has been strong. Um, as a freshman, 2019 Rocker seemed like he'd be a surefire number one pick in the making, but his stock dropped because of the struggles he had with his velocity and commands throughout this year. Um, if he can get swings and misses with the fastball, um, scouts say that his breaking ball is one of the best in the draft, and the Mets have to love having him fall there. I didn't think they'd expect that to happen, um, even if they'll likely have to overpay the money that he would have um, gotten in the first place. He is more of a, you know, possibly an ace in the long run, or people are saying that he could be maybe a nice number two in a rotation. I think the Mets will definitely love to have him there. The Nats took Brady House, the shortstop from Win- Winder Barrow High School. The Mariners took Harry Ford. Uh, he's a catcher out of North Cobb High School. The Phillies took Andrew Painter, a right-handed pitcher from Calvary Christian High School. The uh, San Francisco Giants took Will Bednar, the right-handed pitcher from Mississippi State. The Milwaukee Brewers took Sal uh, Freelick, the center fielder from Boston College. The Miami Marlins took Cahill Watson, the shortstop out of Wake Forest. And as of right now, the last pick was the Cincinnati Reds took Matt McLean, the shortstop from UCLA. So we are awaiting the rest of the picks. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of the update here, and it's going to be interesting to go back and maybe listen to this and feel like, oh, my God, like Jackson Job got called up and he's an ace for the Tigers. We were recording the night he got drafted. So pretty cool. Um, I'm definitely interested to see who gets picked up and who gets stashed as an N.A. Just to clarify, uh, we made an exception last year with Spencer Torkelson, but I think the only the only way that they can be kept or picked up is when Yahoo adds them or they at least have some minor league experience. So you can't go out and say, I'm claiming Henry Davis or I'm claiming uh, Jack Leiter right now. They have to have some minor league experience and be on the field in some capacity to be kept as an NA or kept put on your roster as an NA. So I think the best ramifications of this would be, uh, or the parameters should be around this, would be the having them in Yahoo's system. And I know they take a while to add them, um, but if you want to be able to add or draft Jack Leiter, um, I think Yahoo has to be uh, adding them to it. So we have to talk about will Jack Leiter or any of these guys be available for the draft? I think they should be next year. But there needs to be a system in place. We can't just have people be able to pick up anyone they want. I think there needs to be these guys added to the draft pool to make the NA draft a little bit more meaningful. So if anything, I would say the, we have to have this discussion really. If anything, I would say you can add them earliest in March during the draft. So we'll continue to have that discussion, but you are not able to add any of these players right now to store for the future, just to make that clear. So that's the draft update. In a second, I'm going to return to you with our new segment today in baseball history. All right, our new segment today in baseball history. So on every podcast, I'm going to be doing two events that happened in two different years and talk about 
a little bit and have a recording. Um, I found the recordings of the play-by-play for these two events. So I'm going to start, bring you back to 1985, four years before the commission was born. In a game won by Houston 4-3 in 12 innings at the Astrodome, Nolan Ryan fans Mets left fielder Danny Heap in the sixth inning becoming the first major leaguer to record 4,000 career strikeouts. The Ryan Express will end his 27-year Hall of Fame career whiffing 5,714 batters, establishing a major league mark unlikely to be challenged. So I wanted to play you the play-by-play about when that happened. So let's take you back to July 11th, 1985. Nolan Ryan had a remarkable career. If you're ever bored at any point in time, go and look at his numbers. He was awesome. Obviously, I think a lot of people remember him as the executive because we really didn't grow up seeing a lot of his uh, great moments because we're younger. Um, But his numbers are remarkable, especially how many guys he struck out over time. And I just talked about the number. It's kind of hard to even imagine 5,714 batters being struck out. So today, today, July 11th, 1985, Nolan Ryan struck out his 4,000th batter. All right, let's take you to 1995, the All-Star game that took place in Texas. Marlins outfielder Jeff Conine is the 10th player to homer in his first All-Star bat. Craig Biggio and Mike Piazza go deep uh, for the NL as well. Frank Thomas becomes the first White Sox player ever to hit a round tripper in the Midsummer Classic when the NL out homers the American League 3-2. So I'm going to bring you to a play-by-play here where Jeff Conine goes deep for the National League. All right, thank you, John. Steve Ontiveros of the A's is the new pitcher, and Jeff Conine of the Florida Marlins has just made it 3-2. to two. Conine hitting for Gant as the designated hitter has given the National League its first lead of the night. All three runs, solo homers. And the last two runs... Scored by the National League, coming from a 62nd round draft choice and a 58th round draft choice. Think about it. There were about 2,000 players drafted in front of Mike Piazza and Jeff Conine, and they're responsible for the last two home runs. Unbelievable. So Jeff Conine, great Marlin. They call him Mr. Marlin. He's another guy, if you're ever uh, curious and bored, look at his numbers on Baseball Reference or Fangraphs, whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, Jeff Conan had a great career, sort of shrouded in you know the fact that he was in Florida for most of it. He is a great, great player, and I thought I wanted to give you guys a taste of a little bit of the All-Star game as we look forward to Tuesday 
meeting up at Howard's to watch the 2021 All-Star Game. So those are your baseball moments of the day. I'll be returning with you to talk about the matchups for Week 14. Let's go through the Week 14 matchups, and in a little bit, Nick will be joining me to have a discussion about his loss to Bizzotta and just about how he feels sitting at 5-9 and nine after 14 weeks. So let's start with the first matchup. Alicia defeated me 129.35 to 129.05. And as I said, there's a chance that there's .30 or a little bit more than that out there in the stack corrections. I don't know. Um... Think about that. If there's an earned run out there that wasn't, uh, that possibly was unearned from any of my pitchers, that could give me the win. I don't know if that's the case, but the margin is so slim that we always have to keep that as a consideration. So as of right now, she moves to seven and seven. I also fell to seven and seven to cause a severe lock uh, lock jam all throughout the league. So going throughout the matchup, this was a really close one. It came down to literally the last at bat of the day where Max Muncy exploded for a three-run home run. The Diamondbacks' bullpen is absolutely horrendous. They blew a 4-1 lead in the eighth inning. And Muncy, I saw it coming, honestly. I was following it. And when Mookie got intentionally walked, I knew that Muncy was doing something. But he could have walked off with a single or a double or something and not a three-run home run, and I would have won. But looking at the matchup, uh, the highlights for Alicia... Juan Soto had a great week with 13.25 points. Um, Let's see what else offensively. I mean, her offense wasn't great this week. Um, Muncy had 10.20 points, and that was the two highlights, but her pitching was what was really solid. Um, 10.7 points from Pablo Lopez. He was great today. Struck out nine of the first batters in the the game against Atlanta and really slowed down. Atlanta uh, put some runs on the board after figuring him out a bit, but he seemed really annoyed. I guess if you guys remember, he was thrown out of the last time they played by throwing out Acuna, and when Acuna out of the lineup due to the injury where he's out for the year, and we'll talk about that with the injury update, um, Lopez seemed very motivated to shut up Atlanta, and he was dominating them. Uh, DeGrom had 6.6 points. I got lucky there where Hayter blew the save against um, against the Mets earlier in the week when DeGrom pitched because he was slotted to have that complete game uh, in a loss, but with Hater blowing the save, the Mets had a chance to uh, come back out there, and DeGrom obviously didn't pitch in extra innings, so, um, you know, I could be sitting here, you know, far out of reach if DeGrom would have got that complete game, um, but I considered myself lucky to get a Hater, b- believe it or not, a Hater um, blown save. The other guy, I mean, if you look at the points to the difference right there, I mean, Emmanuel Classe had two blown saves this week, negative 3.35 points for me. Um, the difference is right there. I mean, you could find the difference anywhere with the fragments of points. If one of my guys didn't give up an earned run or one of my a couple of my guys didn't strike out as much as they did today. But, you know, that's all, I guess it's just fodder for the frustration. Um, it, was a, it was a very winnable matchup. It was a great win for Alicia, and I give her credit. Um, she left a lot of points in the bench, which was troubling. Um, she could have put me away early if she had some of those guys in the lineup, like Trey Mancini, which obviously she wasn't going to put him in the lineup because he wasn't playing. He hit a two run home run. Brandon, Brandon Lau had two big games on the, on her bench and she decided to keep him there. 
Rafi Devers had a three, I think a three run home run on her bench as well. So there were a lot of points that were there for her to take that she probably could have put me away in different ways. Um, but I thought I was going to sneak out with a win. I just didn't. Um, so I go into the Ulster break at seven and seven where I could have been eight and six. I guess I am happy about where I am, but, um, scoring 129 points. I mean, her and I were really ahead of everybody as far as the week goes. Her and I scored a hundred points on Thursday and everyone else was pretty slow to catch up to us. And they did eventually, we didn't wind up scoring the most points in the week. Travis did with his complete game shutout yesterday with Garrett Cole. Um, but it was a great matchup and maybe a playoff preview. Who knows? Um, it's one of those losses that will sting. Um, but I'm trying to take the positive out. It just, it just sucks to go into the all-star break uh, after playing so well, my team has been clicking on all cylinders to go on a loss like this. It's really challenging. I mean, sitting at seven and seven is whatever, but the way you lose sometimes, um, really takes your wind, the wind out of your sails. And, uh, it was hard to get off the mat and <laughs> to record this podcast, but I have my commissionally duties. I knew I had to get on here. Um, I cooled down a little bit. I was very angry when it first happened, sort of in shock a little bit. Um, but you know what? You go get them next week. Week 15 will start. Uh, we'll have a little bit of break. We'll think it will start on Thursday, and I will try to get above 500 once again. But a great win for Alicia. She was moments away from dropping to 6-8 and eight after starting 5-0, and oh, which would have been awful for her and I know she's very happy to be sitting in a playoff spot um she's currently the fifth overall seed we will talk about that after we're done with the matchups the playoff seeds as of week 14 um but it's a great win for her there's no other way around it it was a huge win for her um and she definitely needed it so I think we both needed it but now we have a huge a huge problem on our hands with all these seven and seven something has to give you know, the fact that we have one, two, three, four, five, seven, and sevens right in the middle of this um, sandwich between Travis Perrier, um, the six and eights, and the five and nine, Nick. So there's a lot of movement that needs to happen uh, in the next few weeks. But uh, the parity in this league uh, is, you know, unbelievable. I think week to week, you don't know who's going to win, and each team can go out there and just explode. There's really no gimmies. And. That's always the case in fantasy sports, but this year it just seems like at any given Sunday, you can be looking at a win or a loss, depending on uh, who goes off on the other person's team. So great win for Alicia. Congratulations. No sour grapes here. We will see if the stack correction saves me, um, but really on the Sunday, I didn't deserve to win at all. I mean, my, my offense didn't show up. Uh, like Just to even give you guys some insight into my team, I know you guys are not looking at my team as closely as I am. But Tim Anderson at three Ks. Adam Fraser struck out once. Tommy Pham struck out twice. Randy Arena struck out twice. Trey Turner struck out three times. And then the walks. Killer. Six walks for Luis Castillo. Six walks for Fran Valdez. If one of the it's just so frustrating to see them put these guys on and walk them. If Castillo would have got that quality start and was up for the win, you know, I could be looking at obviously a, a laugher going in and the three run home run wouldn't have mattered. But they left me with no choice. I got nothing from my pitching from for the majority of all week. So um, I can go on for hours about how frustrated I am with my team. But, you know, the win was there for the taking. But, you know, Kikuchi did nothing this week. Brady Singer had a decent start. Ryan Yarbrough had a decent start. Nothing great. 
I mean, think about Max Scherzer. If he didn't give up that grand slam to the freaking relief pitcher where he had an 8 nothing lead that he was slotted for a win, if Emmanuel Classic can get people out and not blow saves, if Josh Hader stopped blowing saves and stopped giving up earned runs, if Corbin Burns got out there and actually threw a quality start, five and two-thirds against the Mets, this a lot of frustrating pieces to this week. And as I dissect them, I get more frustrated, so I'm just looking to close the book on week 14 for my team and look forward to week 15 and beyond because this is a loss that will sting. Like I said, it stings more than being blown out because the win was right there. And on top of this too, fantasy baseball had me almost happy that Altuve walked off on the Yankees. Obviously it sucked and it was awful to see, but you know, I was reasoning like, all right, the Yanks already won two out of three. They won five of their last seven. Altuve just clinched my my win for fantasy baseball, so it was like, all right, the, at least that happened. So when he hit that three-run home run and I went up by three points with she literally had two at-bats left, I was like, it's over. Barring something crazy, Muncie will only have one more at-bat. Even if he hits a, a solo shot, she can't beat me. But the stars aligned for her, and two guys got on base. They walked Mookie, and as soon as he hit it, I knew. So... It hurts. It's a bad loss. No way around it. Um, all right, other matchup. Perrier moved to 8-6 and six by defeating Jimmy, who thought it was a two-week matchup. So just to make this clear, let's go to the top of the league page on Yahoo Fantasy. It says, Week 15 will be two weeks due to the MLB All-Star game and run from July 12th through July 25th. Roster, roster deadlines, innings, pitch minimums, and weekly transaction limits won't change during this fantasy week. So that confused Jimmy. He thought it was week 15, but I thought Yahoo couldn't have been more clear. They wrote the dates. They wanted to update you guys this way. Um, you were aware as soon as possible that the roster deadlines didn't change or the minimums didn't change for innings pitch if you were in a league that had innings pitch minimums um, and weekly transactions. So throughout those, throughout the period of July 12th and July 25th, you will only be able to make six ad drops. But that confused Jimmy, so he was like going into Sunday believing that there was a shot that he can come back. Um, but the two-week matchup will be next week. So looking at their matchup, um, it was close into the end. Robbie Ray had a no-hitter going into the seventh inning, which definitely would have put Jimmy over the hump. Um, but offensively, the highlights for Jimmy, Javi Baez had 9.6 points. Shohei, again, continues to be remarkable. He's the early front runner for the MVP at the All-Star break at 8.30 points. Um, but pitching was really the story for Jimmy. He got 11.35 points from Jamison Tyon. Liam Hendricks, despite the blown save today, had 7.95 points. Um, Chris Bassett had 5.5 points. Uh, Frankie Montes got, uh, had 8.7 points. Luis Gilbert, who was a streamer for him. I think he's uh, Logan Gilbert from Seattle. I think he's going to wind up keeping him 8.25 points. A big arm from the guy in Seattle. I think he's been streamed by a few teams. Um, that was really the, the story from because offensively it was kind of like nibbling people to death, but Robbie Ray had 9.6 points. Um, he had no one with double digit points in his offense and he was still able to score 129 points. That shows how dangerous Jimmy's team really is. Thing he's probably has to be worried about is Mountcastle leaving the game today after being hit on the arm. So, um, x-rays were negative. But hopefully he can get healthy during the All-Star break. But that sucks for Jimmy. Mountcastle has been really good and someone that Jimmy has put a lot of stock into um, after allegedly reaching for him in the draft. I mean, he's been pretty good. 
and he's definitely someone Jimmy relies on offensively. So you got to wonder what could have been if maybe like Matt Chapman could have mustered up some some more this week for him. You know, Chapman continues to be Jekyll and Hyde. Um, some highlights for Perrier's team, 7.9 from Pete Alonzo. Uh, Brian Reynolds had 8.95 points. He's someone that will definitely be sought after by contenders in the major league uh, at the major league trade deadline. Uh, he's 27th overall in points. So Brian Reynolds having a great year paired with Adam Frazier in Pittsburgh. So those are two two pieces that may be on the move. And uh, we'll see who is definitely interested in Brian Reynolds going forward. Um, and he will add some value to the player if he goes to a contender. So he's been great for Perrier. Uh, Kyle Tucker, 8.25 points. Reese Hoskins, 14.35 points. Um, and as far as pitching goes, Brandon Woodruff had 5.4 points. He uh, he had the quality start today. Not his best outing. Um, only struck out four um, and wasn't able to get the win, obviously, because uh, it was a close matchup. But Woodruff pitched, you know, okay, better than the, the matchup he had um, with the Mets earlier in the week on, I believe it was Tuesday. Went six and a third, struck out six, but gave up four and runs. So didn't look great um, earlier in the week. Um, other highlights of his pitching staff, uh, let's see, Trevor Rogers had 4.10 points. Dave Sclafani had 7.10. Um, Jose Ramirez was back, as we talked about. He was um, someone who got hurt early in the week. He was on the injury report, but he had 8.0, 8.80 points for Perrier. And... 136.50 points. Perrier now is has sole possession of first place uh, in the Ed Delahante division at eight and six. Uh, while the, he's, you know, obviously I'm one game. Uh, I mean, sorry, Alicia's one game back, and Devin is now two games back. Um, but Bazada's one game back as well. So a great win for Perrier. He's sneaky. He's sneaky at eight and six. Um, his points scored isn't really up there, but he's getting the wins when it matters, and he scored a lot of points this week, good for uh, the second most overall in all the league. So a great, great win for Perrier over truly what's been one of the most dominant teams in all the league. So he has to be very happy sitting at 8-6 and six, heading into the All-Star game. Um, all right, so the other matchup where it looks like Devin is officially going to be a seller at the deadline, he lost to Travis 139.40. Uh, Travis moves to ten and four, while Devin drops to six and eight, one hundred and seventeen, even for Devin. Um, this matchup was pretty close. It was put away last night with Garrett Cole's complete game shutout. Um, highlights for Travis: Paul Goldschmidt at ten point two five points, um, Trent Grisham at ten point one five points. Grisham had that walk off earlier, I think, on Friday night. Joey Gallo, who will be in the home run derby, had thirteen point zero five points. Um, biggest point getter for him was Garrett Cole, like I mentioned before, 21.10 points. He gutted out that win, wouldn't let Boone take him out, so that's been the highlight probably of the Yankees' year. Hope Maybe it will turn them around a little bit. Cole um, looked awesome. That was definitely his moment. It was the first time back in Houston, and it was uh, great to see that he got that one nothing win. And it definitely put Devin away and took the wind out of his sails. Um, and if that didn't do it, the Acuna torn ACL definitely did. So Travis moves to 10 and 4. And this is his, I mean, let's be honest. It's where he wants to be at the All-Star break. He would have signed off on that any day. 10 and 4 after 14 weeks. Um, he had he's had his struggles, obviously. We talked about them. They've been noted. 
Uh, but maybe the slump is over, and after the slump, he only lost two weeks. So while some teams go through their their season slump, they wind up losing. Uh, Travis's team winds up getting the luck of maybe facing teams that are slumping themselves or didn't score their most points. So now Travis sits at 10-4, and four, and maybe past his slump, maybe his team's sort of figuring it out. Um, on the back of that 21-point effort from Garrett Cole, he has to be happy with the production that he's getting. Um, as a wow, as a trade just came in here live on the podcast, I'm going to be looking at it um, live as we record. So I'm going to take a break from that matchup for a second. Let's look at this trade on the pot, and it's Nick. So let's review the trade pending transaction between Nick Just Shea and Lip Luggage Mike Bizzotta, Walker Bueller and Adley Rushman for. Wow, it's Walker Bueller for Adley Rushman. Oh my God, what a trade here on the podcast. Live, and I'm going to allow it. Kamish voted it. Adley Rushman, the number one overall prospect in all of baseball now that Wander Franco's been called up. The hot-hitting catcher for the Baltimore Orioles, who I did mention on the podcast earlier, he's on the move. Nick is in full seller mode as Walker Bueller has been acquired. By lip luggage. Oh, my, and we get the reaction in the chat from people. Let's see. Let's see. Wow. Unbelievable. I have nothing. I have to process that. That means Nick is actually selling. That's a huge, huge deal. Walker Bueller is now on lip luggage and it looks like Bazada's in full go for it mode, which he did mention in the in the on the podcast when he made his appearance on Fourth of July. And Nick is in full selling mode, so we'll see if Nick decides to move any of the other pieces on his team. We're gonna get on. We're gonna get him on here to react to that trade uh, in just a second. Wow. So, wow. Moving back to the matchup, Travis, like I said, moved to ten and four. Devin moved to 6-8. and eight. We'll see if Devin decides to sell any of his pieces on his team. Devin will be on the podcast next week or technically not for another two weeks because of the fact that we have the break in between. So there'll be nothing really to discuss on the podcast next Sunday. So I think we're skipping a week. So Devin will be hopped on there. It will be about two weeks before the trade deadline. So we'll ask Devin how he feels about his team, especially off of week 15. If he loses again, I think he's definitely going to be a seller. All right. Speaking of Lip Luggage and Just Shea, they played each other this week, and Bizzotta got the win. Um, 122.45 to 112.80. And Matt Olson for Bizzotta had 12.30 points. He'll be in the home run derby, one of the favorites to win. Uh, Xander had a decent week for him, 8.45. Mookie Betts seemed like Mookie Betts this week. He's slowly uh, heading into the top point getters of the league after a slow start for Mookie Betts. He had 16.15, and I think it's his best week yet. Uh, Rachel Iglesias had 6.60 points from him as a closer, so huge for him. And Michael Kopech, who continues to come in as a long reliever, continues to strike out the world. Every time he's in there, it seems like he strikes out three batters. So uh, Kopech is... Um, you know, someone that he's 
I mean, if the, if the White Sox ever find a way to put him in the rotation, let's, I'm curious what he actually can do. But in the slot of the years now, it's almost like you have to roster him because all the Ks he gets. So he had 4.50 points this week, which is like just like having a closer if you're striking out three three guys every time you're out there. And no matter the situation, you can bring Kopech out there as a long reliever. Jose Brios had 8.20 points. Uh, Carlos Santana had 8.15 points. So a good week for Bizzotta. Not the most points, but um, he moves to 7-7. Seven and, seven. and I think, if you remember, he was saying, if I, am I sitting at 500 at the All-Star break, I'm definitely going to be happy about where I am. Uh, looking at Nick's team, so his hot streak has finally come to an end. Um, his resurgence definitely made him a seller. He moved Bueller, and we'll talk about him. We'll talk with him when he gets on here in a second. Um, so he, before this, had won how many straight? Let me look at his schedule. He was winners of four straight, uh, you know, looking for his fifth straight win. The Magic seemed to run out in week 14. Highlights of his was Francisco Lindor had his signature Met moment with that grand slam, 13.15 points. Andrew McCutcheon had 11.75 points. Castellanos is, I think he's going to wind up keeping him, but if he decides to sell him, I'm curious what he can get for him. Castellanos had 9.05 points, um, and John Gray had 11.95 points, and that's pretty much the highlight of his whole week. So he has to be happy that Lindor is on the upswing, but as a seller, I think he's just looking to get um, an idea about who he's going to be keeping next year uh, with the added keeper and structure his team throughout the rest of the year and just get some experience managing his team uh, throughout troubled waters, and I think that will pay dividends going into the 2022 season. So finally moving to the last matchup, the lowest scoring matchup of the week, pretty close going to the end. Karen moved to 7-7 seven and seven with 111.40 points. Would have been good enough to lose to literally anybody else um, in the league uh, against Greg, who scored 110.70 points. So a win is a win for both of them, um, for Karen, I should say. So she'll take it, sitting at 500. Highlights of this matchup. Will Myers had 12 points for her. Bryce Harper had 14.15 points. Um, and then pitching-wise, Melanson and Edwin Diaz combined for about 12 points for her, so that's great production from your closers. Charlie Morton had 7.45 points. Um, not the best week for her team, but she came away with a win. So like similar to what I was talking about with Travis, if you get a win despite slumping, that's definitely an added bonus. So you have to be a little bit worried about the production you're getting from your team or lack thereof, but you'd rather take a win in that moment anyway, right? So she has to be happy sitting at 7-7 seven, seven, seven and 7 going into the All-Star break when it seemed like she might be on her way um, to sitting at 6-8 and eight if she couldn't defeat Greg. And Greg has to be worried too. I mean, I know Greg during the podcast is pretty confident that he'd be able to get back into it. But with all the injuries he's facing, it's hard to blame him. I mean, looking at his IL, I mean, he's got Shane Bieber and, and Tyler Glass now on there. Glasnow after the year, Bieber has to be coming back at some point. We'll see. Um, and the last time he pitched was the, it was June 13th, so it's been about a month so since he's been out there. And we'll see what happens with Shane Bieber, and I think Greg's season relies on it. So we'll see if he gets back out there and can figure out a way to uh, get some ace-like production out of, out of uh, himself because not that he cares, but Greg's season depends on it. And the other thing that hurts for Greg is Cattell Marte, who was off to a um, a nice little comeback uh, has been sitting on the IL as well and hasn't played for the whole month of July either. And he's someone that Greg's offense relies on as well because uh, really, despite having a lot of talent on the team, um, they seem to be getting cold at the same time. And 
You have to wonder what Greg's opinion on maybe selling is as well. He has a lot of talent to go around. I think his offense is all there to compete, and they all get they will all get hot eventually. But um, with half the season gone, sitting at six and eight, you have to wonder if he's like, you know what? Maybe I'll look to the future and try to compete with the guys I have, but also try to build towards next year. We will see. I think he's disappointed for sure. But it's definitely it's definitely blaming on injuries because I think his team is definitely well drafted and uh, well suited for a deep playoff run if they can just get healthy. So I think he's still dangerous. Um, but we talked about with Greg. I mean, he's been Jekyll and Hyde. When he's good, he's really good and he's scoring a lot of points. I mean, there's been weeks like look at this week six. He scored 137 points, and then there's a week like week seven facing Travis where he only scored 104. Or look at week three. He scored 84 points against Jimmy. Or then you have the week four after that, he scored 153 versus Karen. So which team is he? I think he's somewhere in between. I don't think he's as bad as he was this week. Um, he's going to have a real chance against Travis with the extended week to get past him. So that's going to be a real test for him. Um, but the difference between seven and eight and six and nine is is huge. So that may decide what he decides to do at the trade deadline. But Greg doesn't strike me as someone who will sell. You know, maybe he'll change his mind. But I think he's confident in the process and confident in the fact that he drafted a quality team. I can definitely see him sticking it out and just trying to get in there. I mean, there is the precedent that's been set that if you just get in, you can potentially win. Devin went 10-12 and 12 one year and won the championship. So it's been done. So I definitely am curious to see what happens and what unfolds. Um, but I'm going to get Nick on here real fast because I want to hear what he has to say about this trade that he made with Pizzotta live here on the air. So I'll be back here in a second with the injury report, and then we're going to get Nick on this podcast. All right, let's talk about injuries here in the MLB. Going into the All-Star break, there's a significant amount of injuries, as we talked about all year. Um, But these are the significant ones that are affecting major league teams and fantasy teams alike. So let's start with you, Darvish. So the Padres hope Darvish um, that back and hip tightness would necessitate a trip, necessitate a trip to the IL. But I think they ultimately decided to place him on the IL on Sunday, which is today. Um, so it was retroactive to July eighth, uh, which means he only might have to miss one series after the All Star break if he's okay to come back. So fingers crossed for for Karen because that's her ace. Um, but and also he's an exciting pitcher to watch in the NL West. Um, as the Padres are trying to do special things uh, once they get to the playoffs. But you know they're going to be careful with him because they want to make sure he's right before getting getting him to come back. Uh, Zach Gallen, he's been an on and off the IL all year. As we talked about, Bizzotto went on his rant during that segment on 4th of July. He will throw a simulated game this Monday. Um, he's been throwing bullpens all week. Um, the manager, Tori Lavulo had said uh, that he's moving forward. Uh, he has a strained right hamstring. He's had a couple injuries throughout the year. Um, he just has a lot of bad luck. So Gallon is looking to come back from this right hand, right hamstring, but I think it's hard for Bizzotta to get excited about this because, because of the fact that you have, as Alicia literally just texted me, she texted me two emojis. Um, I'll, I'll answer that in a second. As she says, what a week. And I gave, I gave you your props, you know. You won fair and square, but depending on the, on the, don't come crying to me if there's a stat correction, because it's that close. Um, anyway, Zach Gallon is on the IL still, 
Um, but I know Bizzotta can't be that excited because if he comes back on the right hamstring, it's like what else could go wrong for Zach Allen this year? Uh, Sally Perez, who's been a great – he's one of the best catchers in baseball right now. He had tightness in his back after making a diving catch on Saturday against the Indians. So he stayed in the game until the 6th when he exited. He's day-to-day and will be reevaluated re- early in the week during the All-Star game. Um, he's set to play Tuesday, but who knows if the Royals will send him, especially if he's not feeling well uh, and there's still tightness in the back. So something to watch for for Devin's team. Um, not an injury-related – well, Zach Greinke is, but Zach Greinke, Carlos Correa, and Alex Bregman. So Greinke left Saturday start early against the Yanks. After looking good in four innings of work, we found out after the game he had right shoulder soreness. He said post-game that he had been experiencing discomfort for over a month, and I think it just became very apparent that he wasn't right. Um, I think he was looking to get additional rest on top of the All-Star break coming up. As for the other two, Correa and Bregman, uh, Correa was placed on the injured list um, prior to the early uh, the the game with the Yanks, I think today or yesterday, um, due to health and safety protocols. But you have to think that they're just keeping him out of the All-Star game, similar to Bregman too. Bregman, with a left quad strain, took batting practice uh, Wednesday for the first time since being sidelined on June 16th. Um, so maybe he'll come back after the All-Star break. We'll see. Um, I guess they are legitimately hurt. But maybe Correa is not legitimately hurt. Who knows? It seems like all the Astros are sitting out of Colorado and not coming into the All-Star game. Maybe they're afraid to get booed. All right, Kyler, Kyle Seeger and Justice Sheffield for the Mariners. Seeger was a late scratch for the Mariners on Saturday for undisclosed disclosed reasons. He appeared to come up limping while tracking a fly ball on Friday. And then Justice Sheffield was placed on the IL Wednesday because of a left forearm strain. And on Thursday, uh, GM Jerry Depoto said that, that uh, Sheffield also had a grade 2 ob- oblique strain. So we are uncertain how long he'll be sidelined. Um, Alec Bohm and Odubel Herrera for the Phillies. Bohm left Saturday's game against the Sox in the eighth inning due to COVID-19 protocols. And Odubel Herrera was placed in the 10-day IL on Saturday with left ankle tendonitis. Here's the big one. Ronald Acuna Jr. for the Braves. An MRI revealed that he had a complete tear of his right ACL for which he will undergo surgery. He will miss the remainder of the 2021 season and is expected to be, at, to be out for at least nine months. Acuna was transported off the field in, on a cart um, at Lone Depot Park after sustaining the injury, landing awkwardly trying to catch Jazz Chisholm's fifth inning inside the park home run. So tough. it's tough for everything. It's tough for Devin. It's tough for everyone that's a fan of baseball. It's tough for the Braves. He was having a great year, and we hope all we can do is hope he comes back healthy and get the rest he needs and the right treatment he needs to come back as good as he was this year. But it changed the tra- trajectory of a team of our teams with Devin. You have to know that he probably is looking at his team much differently with Acuna out. So uh, Buster Posey was having a great year for the Giants. He went on the 10-day IL on Friday with a left thumb contusion. Um, he has not played since he exited the, the series finale against the D-backs on Sunday in the sixth inning after he took a foul tip off his hand. Um, and his IL placement means he will not play in Tuesday's All-Star game. Here's an update on Mike Trout. Trout with the right calf strain has no throwing or hidden limitations, but he's still working on his way through a running progression. He'll need to go through a rehab assignment before returning, and that is expected to come shortly after the All-Star break. So Travis is expecting to get Trout um, back in his lineup for the first time. Justin Upton had lower back tightness 
and he was initially expected to play this week, but the Angels are now targeted uh, for him to return uh, their first game on July 16th following the All-Star break. Clayton Kershaw. The Dodgers received good news Friday when an MRI revealed inflammation and nothing more in Kershaw's left forearm. The ace went on the 10-day injury list on Wednesday. Dave Roberts said Kershaw will play catch Saturday before taking time to enjoy the All-Star break with his family. So if Kershaw can come back healthy and maybe show a little bit, you know that Nick might be thinking to trade him and try to stack up the NAs or maybe uh, another young player to keep as an under-two-year or under-three-year under keeper. So something to watch for. I think uh, Kershaw is definitely someone people will be targeting as pitching is a, at a premium in For the Fame. So we will see if he can get healthy and Nick can move him while he's healthy. So that's definitely good news for the selling Nick. Chris Bryant and Jake Arrieta. Bryant exited Wednesday's game against the Phillies at Wrigley Field in the fourth inning due to right hamstring tightness and was not in the starting lineup Thursday or Friday, though he did produce a big pinch hit three-run double on Friday against St. Louis, as Perry was saying. I didn't, I, I meant to take him out, but he was working and couldn't get him out. He wanted to reap in the benefits of keeping him in. Uh, David Ross said he doesn't believe Brian is in danger of missing the All-Star game. And he also is someone that the Cubs are looking to trade um, because it looks like they're in full sell mode. And then prior to Wednesday's game, veteran right-hander Arietta was placed on the 10-day IL, also with a hamstring tightness. So Arietta's been on and off the IL as well. His velocity's down, so who knows what's going on with him. Sonny Gray, um, he came back for a bit. He definitely pitched decently well. I actually saw it firsthand because Alicia has him. The Reds placed Gray on the 10-day IL. There is a due to a right rib cage sprain. It is uh, Sonny's third stint on the IL this season, but he's hopeful he will not miss his next scheduled start thanks to the All-Star break. So fingers crossed for Sonny Gray. Eloy Jimenez and Yasmani Grandal. Uh, the White Sox announced Thursday that Eloy will begin a rehab assignment Friday um, in Winston-Salem. He has missed the entire season thus far after suffering a ruptured pictorial tendon during spring training, so he's ahead of schedule. And that would be a huge lift for an already explosive offense that Jimmy fields from day to day. So maybe Eli can come back and contribute. And that's a surprise. I mean, people thought he might have been missing the full season. Um, also, the White Sox placed Grindal on the 10-day injured list with a torn tendon in his left knee. And they announced later that he underwent surgery to repair the tendon. Uh, Yasmani was initially expected to miss approximately four to six weeks before returning. And after surgery, the uh, the White Sox said an updated timetable will be provided at a later date. There's no way he comes back in four to six weeks after surgery on his knee. No possible way. So I think he's out much longer than that. And you know, no matter what they say, I don't think he can come back in four to six weeks. He's not he's not John Cena. Uh, Lorenzo Cain for the Brewers. He had a right hamstring strain. He began a rehab assignment at AAA on Thursday, picking up a single over two at-bats. Uh, Craig Council said... Lorenzo won't return to the majors until the team's second series after the All-Star break, if not later. And he hasn't played in the majors uh, since May 31st. Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals was placed on the 10-day injury list on Wednesday with a torn ligament in his right thumb. So he sustained the injury while fouling a ball off of uh, during St. Louis's recent series in Colorado. Mike Schiltz said Martinez is not expected to be back anytime soon. So he's been streamed by a lot of people. So... Keep that in mind when you're looking at guys that stream. He's one less guy. Chris Sale, who is being stashed right now by Perry, smartly, I might add. Chris Sale threw another live batting practice session earlier this week and is scheduled to pitch in a simulated game um, before being sent out to a rehab assignment that can begin as early as July 15th. So things are in motion to get Chris Sale back in Boston 
especially maybe they're getting him on track a little bit faster than they would because of the fact that maybe they didn't expect to be as good as they are. And Chris Sale is just another great um, option. He's He'll slot in to be their ace, and he will be huge, a huge lift for the division-leading Perrier if he can come back healthy. Eddie Rosario was placed on the 10-day IL Wednesday after suffering an oblique strain during Monday's game against the, the Rays. Um, an update in a positive way for John Means and lip luggage. Uh, Means, who has a left sol- shoulder strain, began his rehab assignment with a two-inning outing for the high A Aberdeen on Saturday. Um, he has an eye after he has an eye on returning after the All Star break, and he's scheduled to make two more rehab assignments. And the next is planned for Friday at Double A Bowie. So, John Means will be a huge lift for Bizada if he can get him back. Gregory Polanco of the Pirates. Polanco was placed on the ten day IL with a bilateral adductor strain on Tuesday. Polanco had been able to pinch hit while out of the starting lineup since June 29th, but manager Derek Shelton said that the right fielder had been struggling to run due to his injury. And then finally, Trevor Rosenthal for the Athletics. Bob Melvin said on Wednesday that closer Trevor Rosenthal will not pitch this season due to a torn labrum in his right hip. Rosenthal had surgery for a thoriotic outlet syndrome in April and hasn't pitched for the A's after signing a one-year $11 million deal. She joined the club last offseason, so if you had any hope that Trevor Rosenthal would be back for the A's, it's not happening this year. They'll continue to go with the committee as their closer. So those are your injury updates. I'm going to be coming back to you with Nick of Just Say It, fresh off his trade with Mike Bizzotta. While I wait for Nick to get in here, I want to talk a little bit about just the seedings as we look forward to Week 15 at the All-Star break. So as of right now, the playoff teams as of the start of week 13, um, Travis will be the number one overall seed. Mike Perrier would have the second overall seed. They would both have buys going into the playoffs. Jimmy sits at number three. I sit at, at four despite my loss. Alicia is at five and Karen is at six. And she pushed Devin out of a playoff spot. Um, as we talked about, Devin might be thinking about selling, whatever that looks like. I know there's a lot of talk in the chat about the trade that just went down. So that might have sent the benchmark for what it will take to get one of these aces. Um, and there's no better talent than the number one overall prospect, Adley Rushman. So um, what a good deal that we had happen live here on the chat. As a reminder, the Power Rankings will be our next podcast. That will be Devin and myself. So that will not be this Sunday. It might be the Sunday after. Um, so next week, uh, the week 15 matchups will be 7-7, seven and seven, me versus 7-7 seven seven Bazada. Devin at six and eight will take on Perrier at eight and six. Nick at five and nine will take on Jimmy at seven and seven. Karen at seven and seven will take on Alicia at seven and seven. Travis at ten and four will take on Greg at six and eight. So remember, this is a ten day matchup, so the games will start Thursday, and it will end that next Sunday. So similar to week one of the of the season this year, it's going to be an extended, um, an extended week. So with the all-star break in there, so just remember that you will only have six moves and everything will be as if it's one week, but with three extra days. So just keep that in mind as we move forward to week 15. All right, we're joined by the five and nine, Just Shea, fresh off his loss to Mike Bizzotta, but even more fresh off of literally the trade uh, that he moved Walker Buehler, uh, sending off signals that he is a full-blown seller. He acquired Adley Rushman. So the number one overall prospect in all of baseball. And he's here live on the podcast to discuss that and more with me. What's up, Nick? How's it going, man? 
I'm doing well, man. I'm, I went on my rant. I'm feeling a little bit better. Like I had a therapy session about my loss to Alicia. I'm still uh, anxiously awaiting potentially a stack correction it will change my fate. Um, but I'm having the Max Muncie home run play over and over again in my head. Nice, I watched man. It, live. it just was brutal. Like I honestly had the win. I thought I clinched it with the Altuve walk-off home run. Yeah. Yanks and like that kind of made it less, it stung less because it affected me positively a little bit. Yeah. Um, watching Muncie walk off, I like saw it happening when they intentionally walked Mookie. I was like, this is going to happen. And yeah. <laughs> it was brutal. So one of the worst losses you can have. I literally lost by decimals of a point. I'm like, I was like picking all the different things in my matchup. Like if this guy would have given up one less run or if, you know, I just got one extra base hit and RBI. Yeah. So I scored 129 plus points. So I am happy with the way my team performed, but it was a brutal loss and it's going to take me a bit to get over it. But luckily I'll have the all-star break to like ruminate in it. Yeah. So let's, let's get into the trade. So give me the insight. Like what's the feeling at, like in your camp and what, what made you do the trade and how did it come together? Like how long has it been in the works? It's been in the works for about an hour. <laughs> that was all, that was all it took. I was honestly going after It's so funny. So I teched the Bizada and I said, don't sell. I'm gonna. And he was like, Oh no shit. And I was like, yeah, I, this is, I'm not going to come back from this. Like, this is it, man. Like it hurts. It was a, it was a rough week. It was my worst week in a long time. Um, I was saying to you how my team was averaging the points I wanted them to this week. They didn't. Um, but it was funny because I was talking to a lot of people have gone off to after Kershaw, which we've talked about. And I never really wanted to get rid of Bueller, but I was like, I still want that first round pick. So I was like, you know what? Mike said in the last podcast that he was willing to give up his NAs and I really wanted wit. Um, but then he showed me the stat cast and he's like, you're actually getting a better deal for Rushman. And, you know, I've had the catcher problems this year. So I was like, who do you want? And he showed interest in most pitchers. And I was like, all right, I can work just about anybody. And then he was like, oh, you want the number one prospect in baseball? And I was like, sure, do you want my number one pitcher? And he was like, okay, so that was it. It was uh, one, two, three, done, you know? So it hurt because this week, early in the week, I messaged somebody and I offered a pitcher for somebody that I wanted. And I wanted their like second best person at this, uh, at this position. And they never answered me. And I was like, you know what? You didn't answer me in the chat about it. I wrote in a separate chat. I was like, I am not sticking to it now. I need this pitcher. And now I realistically don't. So technically they still are for sale. But overall, I'm like, kind of hurt because like, I, I could have used the player. And if you know what, I'm going to do it, man. If you want to know the player I wanted initially, I would have worked a deal for. I would have been the one who beat you tonight. Yeah, honestly, like that's the beauty of our league where you can't trade draft picks. You have to be strategic about building your future. And right. Like you said, with the catcher, there is no catcher that is in baseball right now that is more highly touted than Adley Rushman. I mean, the guy that was drafted today overall was a catcher as well. Um, yeah, so the Pirates drafted um, Henry Davis out of Louisville. So he'll be someone that's, I guess, chased after as they become available during the NA draft next year. But Adley Rushman is a nice piece to build around. And if you're going to sell, that's what you want. And he's the number one overall prospect in baseball. So, um, yeah, you know, you made the decision quick. So you got the, the most value and you kind of knew what you wanted. And you're looking forward to next year, especially if you felt like you weren't going to keep Walker Bueller. Um, you're sort of, sort of planning for next year at this point, right? Exactly. So Mike Flattered asked me, he's like, all right, because we were he was an early talk about the Kershaw deal, and I just couldn't pull one off. 
And then what hurts me too, I mean, anyways, I'm going to go back to your question. Sam was completely off topic. Um, yeah, so next year is the goal. Now, he asked me who I wanted to keep, and I told him I have two locked in, I think. One of them is more of a definite lock than the other. But, um, I, you know, it was time. I was like, oh, I didn't want to lose this week. I never wanted the streak to win, to end. But, you know, it, it happens, and I'll have to go stream a pitcher now. But, you know, it's just the way it goes down. So I'm excited for next year. You know, I'm still excited for this year. So, um, you know, I think there's just a lot that's still going to go on. I think I'm going to end up losing a lot of these guys at the at the uh, All-Star game Tuesday night, but that'll be the fun of it, you know. I think I kind of locked in, I think, who needs to buy and what they need to buy. And if they don't, I think people are going to get hurt by the end of this thing, you know. There's something to be said about being one of the only guys that are clear sellers. So, you're, like I said before, you're able to get the most value because you're setting the market price. And I, I yeah. said before in a segment prior when you came on here, uh, was the IL, the injury report where I talked about Kershaw and they're saying that he's able to come back potentially after the all-star break. And that's huge for you because if he's able to show even a little bit of the old Kershaw, what he showed earlier in the year, the value you can get from a guy like Kershaw um, is going to be great. And I think that if Kershaw comes back and you're able to deal him, maybe like the, I guess the majority of people would believe that he's going to have more time in the IL eventually because he's older and like he's sort of has that history the back always barks at the mid midpoint of the season and the Dodgers are usually careful at the end of the year but if he can get healthy and then you can move him right before the deadline someone will be desperate for pitching and be able to give you something that you can build upon um and I know he's someone you're looking to move you you have to be there's no way he's a guy you yeah move a franchise around yeah yeah there's no other way to do it it's unfortunate but it's the way it goes down you know like I said it keeps it exciting you know I'm glad to be newer and making moves so that kind of keeps it exciting for me um but you know it kind of like it thought you know it sucks because i was like oh like i was kind of making that climb back you know and at this point i'm like all right next year we'll be here and you know my draft will be a lot different my strategy will be a lot different and i won't have to worry about fighting back for zero and six yeah sitting at zero and six was a tough start i mean you're at five and nine now so there is a chance that maybe your team can scrape together another winning streak taking away Walker will be harder, but right. this, this precedent's been set. I know that Bizarro was a seller about two years ago and he wound up making the playoffs despite being a seller. I mean, he didn't win a championship, but he got the experience as the season went on. Um, and that's the best thing you can do. You're sort of getting the feel about how everyone plays, how they construct a team. And the idea is for you to construct a team in the model of how you would like them to be. And you inherited a franchise. So now you're still sort of, you know, building around what you want it to look like. And I think next year will be like the first year where you have a good grasp on what the scoring's like, what it's like from week to week, um, right. how you want to construct your team and what you exactly want it to be because you inherited a team. So now it's really going to be in your image. Yeah. I'm very excited for that too. You know, I didn't inherit a bad team, you know, I kind of made out thanks to the whole Acuna thing, which is just so sad for baseball, but it happens, you know, what are your so, thoughts about the Acuna deal? Like, do you think that even despite him not getting, say, say he didn't get injured, do you still feel confident that you made the right deal by trading walk, uh, trading him for Walker Buehler? In, in my head, I do because I, you know, it's just it's just my hate for him. You know, I just don't, you know, <laughs> it just makes it so hard. You know, like real on paper, oh yeah, I lost the deal by a lot. You know, but you know, it's what goes down. You know, I wish I had only gone Buehler for. Acuna rather than throwing DJ into the mix for Rendon because as you saw Rendon was my player to kick in the balls so (laughs) 
Yeah, Rendon's been really frustrating. He has the talent to be much better than he is, but there's something about those Angels uniforms that make people underachieve unless your name is Show. Yeah, but, you know, like I said, I'm just kind of – it is what it is. I'm here now, and, you know, I'm excited for Tuesday. I'm excited to see who else joins my team. Um, I just messaged somebody else about somebody that could be interested or somebody that they might be interested in, so we'll, uh, we'll see what goes down, you know? Absolutely. My, I think my internet just broke up. Did you hear that? I just, what I just said about the all-star game? I did not. Oh, so what I'm saying is I think you'll kind of be the ringleader going forward in the all-star game where people are going to be following you around, buying you drinks because I, I think hope so. you, uh, what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, trying to keep it exciting, you know, it's still fun. You know, the trades will make it fun for me, even though I'm out at this point. Well, I mean, I'm out. Yeah. So I was going to try and take that back, but there's no coming back from that. Um, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. And, like I said, I'm excited to see everybody again, too, though, to be honest, man. It'll be nice uh, to be out. Be awesome for sure. And this will be your first All-Star game. We get a nice group picture. We sit there, and we get a lot of love from the Howard staff, too, because they, they recognize us. We come in there every year for the All-Star game. Awesome, man. Not surprised, though, with you guys. So, awesome. Uh, so, just I know you had a few questions for me. I know you can't stay on here for that long, um, but you had some questions for the commission, right? I do. All right. So, we're going to do a quick question, and then I want to play a game, all right? All right, absolutely. Let's do it. All right, so the question is, what do you think of the Astros backing out of the All-Star game? Um, I think, honestly, it's a strategic move. I, I know I talked about this in the injury report earlier in the podcast, but they they are sitting they, – they put Correa on the health and protocol. Yeah. And then Altuve is saying he just wants to rest and spend time with his family. And who's the other yeah. guy? Yeah. Granky? Granky, yep. Okay, so – what I think is I, I honestly believe they don't want to be on a, on a national um, stage where they're going to be getting booed and embarrassed, quite frankly. Right. Um, I agree. They have been getting sort of their just due as far as reaction goes uh, during their road trips and all that. But I think this would be a huge thing where they get absolutely obliterated on national TV and they don't want to be there. And I also think that plays a part as well is sort of the, the fraternity in baseball, there's probably something to be said about not wanting to share a locker room with guys that don't really like you. Agreed. So, I mean, I don't. You still there? I think you just cut out, homie. Hold on. If we're, if we're being honest with ourselves, it lost a lot of its luster from way back in the day because of the fact that the reason that we have an all-star game is to sort of showcase players that people were not able to see on a day-to-day -day basis. So like back in the sixties, when you can watch Stan usual in the all-star game, it's the only time someone in New York can get to watch him unless you are watching a game at, when he plays the Mets. So it's right. to appreciate the stars of baseball, but yeah. that, that time is long gone. We're able to access it with the MLB package and MLB network. We're seeing these players on a nightly basis. So, um, I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know if it's like you need to change the date, make it after the season, or maybe in the week between the World Series and have the players that are not in the World Series play, similar to the, the Pro Bowl. Right. I don't know what it looks like. I love when it's in July, but when you're having the main players of baseball that are the best players in baseball not there, it sort of makes it not as fun. So um, that's my long, long-winded answer about the Astros and the All-Star game. Yeah, no, I like it. I mean, it makes sense, you know. I also – I miss that it used to – it used to mean something for the teams going to the World Series, you know. It put a little 
extra like effort into there, you know, because if you're on a good team, you know, you have a chance of being home for the World Series, you know. Yeah, that was something that Bud Selig put in place and it got a lot of heat because you're deciding like home field advantage on an exhibition game. But I, I did like it as well because it actually made it competitive where people actually showed up and wanted to play the game because yeah, those teams, like you said, that are good, have a chance to compete for the World Series and it could decide a World Series. So I think it's good to have that um, and have some meaning to the game because having it as an exhibition game, it means nothing. And the other thing too, not to go off on a tangent about it, um, there's some player bonuses that are in contracts based on the, on the all-star game. And if they technically are named an all-star, I think that actually clinches the bonuses in their, um, in their contract. But if they don't show up, I think you should remove it. And I think you'll see people show up to the all-star game. If that means they're not getting their bonus, that's in their contract. Yeah, that's fair too. I like it. All, All right, right what's, man. What's the other questions you got for me? We're going to play buy or pass. We're going to play buy or sell. Ready? All right. I'm just going to name a league member. You're going to tell me if they're if you think they're going to buy or sell. All right. Sounds good to me. Yep. All right. Trav? He's a buyer. Agreed. Um, Jimmy? He's a buyer. Yeah. You? I am a buyer. I'm, st- I'm sticking true to my team. I love what I got going good. on right now. Good. I agree. Uh, Greg? I said this before. Um, I think he's a seller, but it's yeah, uncharacteristic of him. I think he has confidence in his team, but I think the fact that you have Glass now out for the year, Bieber still hurt, his offense is under underachieving. I think he may pick and choose who he wants to get off his roster and try to rebuild towards next year while competing this year. Similar to the Agreed. Yankees that they had, you know, when the when the Yankees traded Chapman and Miller and they sort of were like rebuilding while competing at the same time. I think that's what Greg what Greg will try to do. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what about Karen? Um, I think it was a huge win for her this week. Uh, I think it changed the trajectory of where she, her team might have been going. I think in my heart, I believe she's a buyer, but I think also she believes she's not as good as she probably would like to be, only scoring 111 points this week. And, you know, she would have lost to every other team. I know she's happy with the win, but I think yeah. something has to change for her. And I'm not sure – I'm not sure if she's that confident. I know she wants to repeat as champion, so I can't see her selling. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say buyer for her. Okay. All right. And then we're going to my division. Um, Perrier? He's a buyer. I'm very impressed what he did. I know he doesn't have the most points scored, um, but he's sort of like sneaky to overtook the Adele Hante division. Now he's sitting there in first place. He's right now slotted to have a first round buy. I think he's definitely a buyer. Yeah. Um, What do you think of Alicia? I think she will be a buyer, um, uh-huh. especially with the win this week. Um, yeah. She actually texted me during this podcast, um, definitely talking shit about the win she got. And I said, wait for stack corrections because it, that could definitely change what had happened. But right. I, I said, congrats on the win. You know, there's no sour grapes. Her team does. I just lost you there still. Steve. Uh-oh. Roster, I think that kind of backfired on me. All right. You you just cut out for a minute there, man. I think I lost you. I don't know if everyone else could have heard you technically. But... What, was the, what was the last thing I said? Uh, there were no sour grapes. Oh, no sour grapes. And what I was saying, I think I lit a fire under her by saying she wasn't managing her roster properly. So I think she I, – I bit myself in the ass by saying that because she wound up managing her roster beautifully aside from leaving some points on the bench. Okay. Um. What do you think uh, Devin's going to sell, right? 
I believe Devin will be a seller this week, uh, this week kind of clinched it and with Acuna being hurt. Um, but I think the way Devin sells is going to look different than most teams. Um, yeah, I agree. I think he will look for the future, but I also think that a big thing for Devin, it has to be the right deal. She, he's not just take a deal just to take it. You're going to have to really impress Devin to get him to move on either guys. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's me. And what do you think? Do you think Bazada is going to sell like he said in the last podcast? I think he's going to hold and try and come oh, back. He's actually not selling. I don't know if you're, he was screaming on 4th of July saying, I am not a seller. Even if he, he, okay, at the end of it, yeah, I didn't really know what to think. A few of us were confused. So I was like, oh, what's he going to do? And he said both. So I was like, well, don't sell now. Well, his logic was that he doesn't want to sell because of the fact that he already has the top prospects in baseball. Like, what else could you get aside from Adley Rushman and right. um, Bobby Wood Jr.? You know, right. so someone has to really wow him. And I don't know what, what prospects out there that it would impress him. Maybe there's a yeah. young talent. Maybe Craig's like, oh, I'll give you Fernando Tatis Jr., for some of your yeah. quote unquote selling, but that's still in a win now mode. I don't think, he, I think he's buying. I agree. All right. Um, do you think there's anybody's team that doesn't need to make a move? I think Jimmy's team is like pretty much perfect right now. And it looks like Eloy okay. might come back after the all-star break. I think he's pretty much the only team that's kind of well-rounded and perfect and ready for a playoff run. I think everybody else has flaws. I think Jimmy right now is the best team in baseball or best team in our league. I think Jimmy does also kind of like I had said on the podcast a few weeks ago, but it's funny. Perrier was talking to me. If you guys saw, he accidentally texted the group instead of me. Um, and we were trying to work a deal. And I straight, I straight up said to him, I was like, what do you need? Like, I think your team is pretty well-rounded. And he kind of agreed as he was looking at it. He's like, yeah, I don't really need anything. I guess I'm just trying to enhance, but we were going to make like an even swap. And I was trying to work. Ker- well, he was trying to work for Kershaw and I held out like an idiot. And that turned around to bite me real fast because he got hurt. So, yeah, but it kind of worked out for you. I mean, you wound up figuring out. I mean, the thing is, you'll still be able to trade Kershaw, even if he doesn't come off the IL in time before right. we'll take a risk and figure out a way to get a deal. You may not get optimum value, but I think if you want to trade Kershaw, someone will be listening to it. Yeah, I think so too. I hope so. At least, I mean, you know, he wasn't somebody I initially wanted to keep from the start, but. From the pitchers that I had on my team, I think that was my best my best pick. So, I don't know. It's kind of what I got stuck with, I guess, in a way. Well, ball's in your court right now because right now you're the only certified seller. And if anyone else decides to sell, I mean, you, right now you have all the leverage to be like, you know what? You want my guys? Impress me. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Like I said, pretty much almost everybody is for sale. I actually, I'm trying to like find some late round grabs in case anybody listens before Tuesday for uh, possibly keepers. Cause like I said, I only have two. I don't have my under three year guy yet. Um, if that holds up. So there's still a lot to be done, man. So you're getting some heat in the chat. I'm not sure if you're seeing this right now. So Perrier, and I want you to answer this live in the chat. He said, did you want to like ask around for dealers? God damn, I would have gave you Torkelson and insert good picture here. What do you have to say to that? Um, he can probably hear me because he's on the microphone or playing Call of Duty right now. I just brought your ass back like three times. And, you know, this is just the deal with that, that went down. You know, like I said, I was trying to work something with him, but, you know, I had my eyes set on Rushman when after Mike said everything last week in the podcast. So, you know, people will be butthurt. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're in sell mode, like it's a different story. You know, I wish I was in buy mode. You know, I wish I had something like that to deal out to get somebody like Walker Bueller, but. You know, this year, it's just not the way it went down, you know? Yeah, I mean, Adley is 
And if that's the guy you want, that's the guy you want. I mean, Torkelson's an infielder, and there seems to be a plethora of those guys. There's not a good catcher. And if you think Adley's the real deal, it seems like you do, he's the guy you wanted. So, I mean, I don't blame you for making the deal. And I think that's what we have these prospect pool. That's the, the prospect pool for is to make deals like this. For right. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you're getting a lot of heat. There was another WTF from Devin in there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, first year jitters, I don't know what I'm going to call it. You know, I think it was a good deal on my end. You know, it'll be nice to hold out. You know, I've been hurting on the catcher position from the start. Um, you know, it just, it's just the way it went, you know, it's just the way the waves turned this year. hundred percent. And like, again, I don't think it's an egregiously bad deal, especially if you're looking forward to next year. And it's right. Some- I mean, I guess the one complaint that someone can make was like, if you wanted, like you could have offered, like I said, Bueller's for sale, send me your best offers for prospects. And maybe someone would have gave you like an MLB ready player right now. Right. But you pulled the trigger for Adley and I don't blame you. Like you're in sell mode. So mm-hmm. you have other pieces you're going to ship off. And I know that for, I know for a fact that people will be asking for them. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think there's somebody who I think needs a pitcher. So I think at the break on me at the, all-star break Tuesday I think I'll make another good deal but we'll see I mean like I said it's it's all coming for next year at this point you know I you know I'm I'm out of the fight but you know my goal now is honestly to you know hopefully knock some other people out maybe get a couple more wins before the year ends and go with it that way yeah taking the approach of spoiler is pretty much the best the best route and then maybe you can fight your way into like maybe the last the last seed by chance if like teams continue to beat each other up there's a chance to actually be sitting in a playoff spot and shock some people, but I mean, without, the, without your ACE, like it's unlikely, but I guess never say never. Right. No, of course not. You know, still try and pull off a couple more wins. Like I said, you know, you guys always tell me, you know, Devin had that 10 and 12 year and you know, maybe, maybe that's what I need. Maybe that's, this is the year for that for me, you know? Yeah. So have you been doing some research? Like, are you going to be like doing a lot of research on Adley and just kind of understanding what the player that you're really building around? Are you going to be like doing some research and watching video clips on him? Yeah, I was watching videos of him and Whit Jr. today. I started with that. And then what, you know, I don't like the Royals, but I figured that looking at their teams, you know, I know the the um, Orioles have kind of like a plethora of catchers right now. So do I think Rushman will come up this year? Probably not. Wit for the Royals is, you know, in the air. But um, like I said, I was going for Wit initially, but Mike thought maybe he'll hold on to him a little bit. So he offered Rushman and I was like, all right, I'm not against it. And then I did some reading and I looked into it. And then I like, I thought about how hard the catcher position was this year. And, you know, I was like, oh, maybe this guy will, you know, come in next year or even if it's this year and I won't have to worry so much about a catcher, you know, I'm hoping he comes in next year and not this year, to be honest, because it'd be nice to be able to hold him for next year. So I didn't have to like use a, you know, use a spot for him this year, but we'll see how that goes down to. Yeah. I mean, he's probably MLB ready right now, but I don't foresee the Orioles calling him up and starting his. Right clock in the MLB so you may see him in September with the call-ups um so that will be definitely you get a nice glimpse of him when they expand the rosters to 40 men uh during the like the end of the season so you may get a nice nice little look at him but I don't foresee foresee him spending a significant amount of time up in the majors where you don't have to worry about not keeping him as a non-active yeah I agree do you have any more questions for me Nick I know that you wanted to kind of ask me some more questions um, I'm trying to think. I had some stuff written down and I literally cannot find the piece of paper that I wrote it on. So it's not my best, but um, it's all good, man. 
Uh, so I want I want your feedback on the podcast that I did with for Fourth of July. Any sort of feelings about it, me doing that round circle podcast? Any initial feelings about what Alicia said, Greg said, or Bizzotta said? No, like I said, you know, I started listening to it immediately, and um, I don't remember who opened it up, but you know, it just turned into so many nice words from everybody. And Mike was literally afraid of me this week, and you know, now I'm hoping everybody can be a little bit afraid of him. Um, you know, but even Alicia, you know, I never really get to talk to Alicia. You know, I said hi at the um, at the draft. And then outside of that, I didn't really get to talk to her ever. Um, so I'm hoping she goes to the all-star break so I can, you know, say hi and get to know her a little bit. Um, but even she said that, like, she was really rooting for me. And then I beat her and I was like, that's really cool. The girl who was undefeated was hoping I'd get a win. And then I, and I think she said, like, I smoked her. I don't remember what the score was, but. You know, I was like, that's pretty sweet. And then even Greg was like, uh, you know, he made some awesome comments uh, with like Hulk Hogan in him and everything. So that was really yeah. cool. Yeah, the league definitely uh, appreciates you because the last manager that was in the league definitely was not as active as you. And I think you bring a nice flavor to the league and people may dis disagree with some of the moves you've made, like the Cunha move and the Bueller move and then now trading Bueller for Rushman. But that's the beauty of this league. Everyone approaches it differently. And it's yeah. your twist on how you want to manage a team and you have every right to do it. And the best part about it is like you're talkative and active and talking about baseball. And I feel like you've been a perfect fit and it's been like literally the, like the best thing we've done for the league, honestly. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. You guys are all great. I really appreciate you having me for having me, you know, every week I'm going to try and say something nice about a few people. I don't remember who I started with last time, but, um, you know, I wanted to get to Bazada and just say thanks so much for thinking of me for the league and then for you for accepting me. Um, you know, like I always say, you guys are so awesome. So it's just awesome to be a part of. And I'm, I've been looking forward to Tuesday for weeks now, man. Dead serious, you know. It'll be oh. nice to get out and see everybody again. 100%. It's going to be a great time. We, we're going to be getting there at 7.30. We're going to table, get some food, some drinks, and the game starts at 8. Um, I, I know that most people are showing up, so we'll all just chill and watch the game and have conversations, and hopefully some trades happen. Um, but before I let you go, Nick, I want you to, I know that we're doing the power rankings episode in two weeks because next Sunday we'll not be doing a podcast because of the fact that um, mm. the week, there'll be nothing to talk about because the week will be only three days old. Oh, that's um, right. What's the preview for, do you want to give me any preview for the power rankings and who you feel is the team to beat moving forward? I still think it's Jimmy, man. If, uh, I don't remember, did Perrier win this week? He did. He's eight and six, he's eight and six right now. Yeah, the two of them are to be a force to be reckoned with, man. You know, and I still think you're on the climb. Um, I, it's so amazing because when I look at Devin's team now compared to the beginning of the year, it's the same team, and they're just not pulling through for him, man. It hurts so much to see it, but I guess it's just what happens. You know, like my team, I looked at early on, and I was like, these guys look great, and then they didn't perform, and they weren't so great, and then they were performing, so it's like a back-and-forth thing. So it's just crazy to look at and think that, like, you know, Devin's team was so up there, and he's such a good manager – to think that now, like, he's got to be – you know, it's just – it's insane. Like, I just – it blows my mind how every week and every day and every pitch changes the outcome of the season almost, you know? Yeah, and I was saying it earlier when I was analyzing my matchup with Alicia, as much as it hurt to watch Muncie walk off, I mean, the beautiful thing is there's the opportunity to watch something on the field literally be a walk-off in our league. Like, it literally had a tangible effect where I'm watching the at-bat, like, whatever happened in this at-bat will decide the matchup. And I think we fine tune the scoring enough to be able to have that happen. And for the matchups to be so close and everyone to be sweating out these Sundays, I mean, it's not good for your heart. It literally, like I literally spent my whole Sunday, like refreshing my phone and watching these matchups. I had yeah. start on and I was watching 
um, all the, like, even like the White Sox. I was like, what is Tim Anderson going to do? I was watching the Padres and Rockies earlier and watching what Blackman was doing, what was fam was doing. Yep. Honestly, it's so much fun on a Sunday. And when fantasy football starts, it pales in comparison to the amazingness of this league. Truly. Yeah. Like, I believe it. It honestly, like, from week to week, it's amazing that after all these at bats, after all these innings pitched, that we have somehow, some way, matchups that are decided by less than a point. Like, I think that's a testament to really how close all these teams are and really how, how the scoring is appropriate and translates on the field. Yeah, it's insane. It, it's crazy how, like, you know, like I said, a touchdown changes fantasy baseball, a pitch uh, football, a pitch can change fantasy baseball, man. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I went from eight and six to seven and seven with just one at bat, just by the the Arizona reliever that couldn't get anybody out. And like, even if Muncie would have hit a single and walked off, I would have won. You know, the fact that he hit a three runner, even if he hit a, a double, like anything else but what he did made me lose. And you know, as much as I was upset, I was like happy that it happened because it's just like, where else could you feel that way? Where like literally has that effect? There's no givens. There's no guarantees in this league. It just becomes like, it's so much fun to watch and stressful. It's insane. It's truly insane. It's so, but that's what makes it fun. You know, it really does. And like, although it sucked to lose and you know, it was a tough loss. I mean, sitting at seven, seven, I would have signed for that for sure. When I sat at two and five. So I have to keep my head up going into the all-star break. And I am happy with the, the output of points. My team continues to put up. Uh, but at the same time, it definitely sucked to lose when I had a chance to kind of ca- try to catch Jimmy and, you know, hop him in our division. Yeah, I still think you're going to be in, the, in it in the end, though, man. So you just got to hang in there, you know? Absolutely. You know what? Um, any final words that you have for the league? And um, I know we'll see each other in a few days, but anything you would like to say? I know everyone's listening on a Monday morning at work. Um. No, nah, I don't think so, man. I just, you know, hope to see everybody Tuesday. Hope everybody has fun. Oh, I will. All right, here's my weird take of the week. Are you ready? I'm ready for it. <laughs> I learned today that you can watch more than one game on the computer on MLB Network. <laughs> all of a sudden, Perry or Snapchat's me. And I was like, what the fuck? He's watching like three games. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking on my computer and I see on the side, I'm like, oh, there's a thing that shows four screens. So I got to watch four games at once. And I was like, this is awesome. So. Not my best, but hey. <laughs> the only way you can do it is if you're watching on the computer. Unfortunately, on PS4 or like any other device like Xbox, it does not let you put multiple games on at once. Um, the other cool thing for MLB TV is if you're watching, I believe on PS4 or maybe just like a console of any kind, you could change the audio to radio audio and it will be aligned with the video. So like say you want to listen to the radio announcer for mm. whoever, you can do that. So it's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's a cool, it's a cool thing to have. I'm glad I, uh, I'm glad I set it up. I never would have done it without you guys. If the MLB TV could eliminate blackouts, it'd be the best deal ever. But, oh, absolutely. Like, it's absolutely. Awful. I, I have to stream the Yankees on the Yes app and like, whatever, I'm able to do it. It's just annoying. You can't do it. To me though, like for baseball, like I, I don't understand why you limit who can access your product. That's the way you get people to become fans and buy yeah. tickets and buy jerseys. Like the the TV deals are antiquated. You need to find a way just to have people access the game and you can't make it harder to do that. People don't want to watch baseball as is, you know, you have to find ways to get it to people. So that's why I yeah, think the game, three games on YouTube are, are great. Yeah. It's really cool. It gives everybody a chance, you know, cause it's usually right at the top of it too, which makes it even cooler. 
Yeah, I agree, man. But that's a conversation for another time. I do appreciate you coming on. I know you only had a couple minutes, but I do appreciate coming on. And um, I know that you are a full-blown celebrant. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks a lot, man. Sorry I was so, like, sidetracked. I'm just in the middle of 100 things right now. So, But thanks for having me on, man, as always. Of course, man. I'll see you on Tuesday, right? Sounds good. See you then, brother. All right, bye. Bye. All right, there you have it. There was Nick live literally 15 minutes after he made the deal with Bazada. So I know I was getting some heat in the chat, but um, I guess because he didn't reach out to other managers and figure out who would be willing to give a better deal than Adley Rushman for Walker Bueller. But it seems like Nick was pretty certain he wanted Adley Rushman, who's the number one prospect in all of baseball. So now we sit here with one potential full-blown seller. We'll see how many people will be full-blown sellers um, come the trade deadline. Maybe that decision will be made during the uh, All-Star game when everyone's in person. Uh, maybe there'll be some people that can jar some pitching loose from some of those teams that are sitting at six and eight. Um, but those two teams, I mean, I'm not sure who's going to be willing to um, move any pitching because like we said, it looks like everybody's in it and the parity um, is definitely providing um, a lot of uncertainty as we move into the playoffs, um, which is, you know, 10 short weeks away or less than that, I believe. Um, but I do appreciate you guys listening. I hope you enjoyed the new format to the podcast. I know it was um, a little bit different with the Today in Baseball and the injury report was like kind of placed in a different spot. But I do appreciate you guys listening as always. Um, like I said, there will be a podcast for Week 15, which is the power rankings I will be sending. I will be sending everybody the list of power rankings probably mid-next week. Uh, before the game start or something like that. So this way I can start to organize the chart and figure out who and where everyone's placed. Maybe Devin and I will come to you on Sunday for just a power ranking special and I will revisit um, the pot, you know, the the actual week 15 matchups on that next Monday because I will be away um, the weekend following. So I don't think I'll have a chance to record. So either way, I'll come back to you guys with at least another episode or two in the following weeks. I know you guys look forward to that. The power ranking should be really interesting because I don't know where everyone's going to be. You know, I think we can establish that maybe Jimmy and Travis will be at the top of it. But as far as those middle ground teams, where does everyone believe those seven and seven teams are? And I think there's a lot of teams that are seven and seven that are going in different directions. And um, despite them, you know, scoring a, like, say I scored a lot of more points than a lot of these teams that are seven and seven, but at the end of the day, we're all seven and seven. So it'll be interesting what the majority of the league believes will be um, the consensus of like the top 10, um, specifically the top five. I'm curious where everyone will be listed. Um, I also want to take this time to say happy birthday to Travis. So when everyone's listening to this on Monday morning, it is Travis's birthday. So please wish him a happy birthday. So Travis, um, enjoy your day, man. I know you're in Virginia Beach right now, enjoying the weather and enjoying some, some pool life. Um, but yeah. Happy birthday to Travis. We all love you, man. And we all look forward to seeing everybody on Tuesday for the All-Star Game. I'll send out the chat as a reminder, but we will be getting there at 730. We'll get a table. We will um, get some food, some drinks, and we'll watch the All-Star Game. So please come by. It's going to be awesome. So I look forward to seeing everybody. And again, I really appreciate everyone listening um, and participating. It's been amazing thus far. We've made it halfway through the the season. I know it's a long grind, but everyone has been amazing. And I really appreciate all the hard work you guys put into making this what it is because I couldn't do it without you. 
It's only as good as you guys make it, and it's goddamn amazing. So I appreciate it. As shitty as the loss was this week to Alicia, um, I wouldn't change wouldn't change anything for the world. The league is amazing, and I love all of you. I'll see you guys next week. Well, I'll see you Tuesday.